Thank you, Justin. It is good to be back. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Mark Gauthier. Uh, my wife, Kim, and I, and you remember Chris. For those of you who have been here, we used to attend here, and Chris was in third grade when we started. Well, Chris is getting married next month. So uh, not to make us all feel older, but uh, time marches on, and uh, he will be married on October the 19th. Uh, I bring you greetings on behalf of SBC of Virginia. You know, that's, that's who I uh, work with. Uh, I am serving currently as your disaster relief director, though I've had a, a variety of different roles. If you're familiar with convention life, uh, we change things around every now and then, and uh, I'm doing, doing disaster relief now, which is really what God called me initially. This is a tall podium. I'm just saying, I'm glad I'm not five foot six. I'd be down here somewhere. So we're going to talk this morning about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes uh, we as Southern Baptists, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. But I think with, with what you've been doing in missions, um, this really fits in with, with how the Holy Spirit works in us and through us. So I, I want to ask you a question um, from a number of angles. Are you, as an individual and as a church, are you all in in the mission of God with your life? Not just, you know, committed to pieces and parts, but are you, are you all in? Uh, a number of years ago, John Jenkins was president of Notre Dame University, and uh, he made a statement as they entered into the ACC, and he said, and this is a quote, I just want to say emphatically and clearly, football aside, we're all in in the ACC. We're deeply committed to the ACC. Well, do you know college football? Do you know Notre Dame? What is Notre Dame known for? Football. Well, he said, football aside, we're going to ignore We're going to compartmentalize. We're going to put football over here, even though that's what we're known for. How can you be all in as Notre Dame except for football? Well, what is the football in our lives? How, in, in what ways are we all in to the mission of God except for? And you, you fill in the blank. I'm fully committed except for. Think of it like this. You had bacon and eggs for breakfast this morning, some of you. The chicken and the pig are both involved in your breakfast. The chicken contributed. The pig is all in. Okay? We need to be all in when it comes to missions. So we're going to look at missions from a little bit of a different perspective today because we're going to look at it from the perspective of the Holy Spirit and how we connect with the Holy Spirit and how we engage in missions with the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. So God's followers, you and I, we must, to connect with him, we must activate, cultivate, connect, and grow with the Holy Spirit. You know, we always talk about and we pray to God the Father and Christ the Son. Jesus left who as our helper? The Holy Spirit. We, uh, at the moment of salvation, we are indwelled with whom? The Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 through 27 is very clear that that's who Christ left for us to be our helper through all the things we go through in life. So the first thing we have to do in, in our endeavor to be fully engaged in God's mission is to say yes to the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter how we do that. We can just say, you know, God, you're God, I'm not, so yes. Maybe you're going down a road that I went down, 
And out of the pain of self-sufficiency, out of the pain of um, trying to do it my way, I said, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to go through that again. So yes to the Holy Spirit. But whatever your reason, every one of us, every man and woman of God is called to make this change, to say yes to the Spirit. So let's look at Ephesians uh, 5, and we're going to start in verse 15, uh, and I'll read through 21. So Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. It says, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of time because the days are evil. And we'll just pause there for a second. Can you, can you look at the news and know that the days are evil that we're living in? We need to make the most of our time. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So this is contrasting, and, and a lot of times you'll hear these scriptures used to talk to us about the evils of alcohol and drinking. And this is one of, it's actually one of 74 verses that I've found. I have a list that talk about drinking. This is one of them. But really what this verse is doing is it's contrasting drinking with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at it carefully, it will say, you know, saying no to the Holy Spirit is unwise or foolish. Therefore, the opposite is true. To say yes to the Holy Spirit in our lives would be wise. So realistically, it just means asking ourselves some questions. Have I said yes to the Holy Spirit and his control in my life? Have I turned all aspects over? Am I living in my own self-sufficiency? Have you ever been in this situation where you, you are going through a little bit of a hardship and you know you should pray about it, but you, in your mind you're kind of thinking, that's okay, God, I got this one. I have. Really? That's okay, God, I've got this? Wouldn't it be more effective and wouldn't it be more of a blessing to God if we submitted to him, even in the little things that we say, I can handle it, I got this. Are we humbly dependent on his leading or do we quench the spirit? You know, we can quench the Holy Spirit. We're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. First uh, Thessalonians 5.19 says, quench not the spirit. How do we quench the spirit? Through disobedience through sin by saying, that's okay, God, I got this one. We're kind of stifling. There's another, another version uses the word stifle. We're not, we're not to stifle or quench the Holy Spirit. So we need to ask these questions daily. Get back on track. And it's, the good news is we can get back on track by saying yes, daily. Now, why do we want to do this? We do it willingly because, because God is asking us. We do it obediently because God has commanded it. We do it expectantly because God will reward us with special power. And we do this prayerfully because the Holy Spirit's power will come in us and through us by faith. So every person who believes in Christ and has been saved has a unique and a personal connection with God's kingdom. Saying yes to the Holy Spirit ensures that you and I experience that connection in God's kingdom on a daily basis. So, so what does that look like? I remember years ago, 
Uh, we had friends at a, at a church in Gloucester, Virginia, on the, the far eastern side of the state. And uh, James used to come over and was discipling us uh, as new believers. And uh, as a side note, he always made sure to bring a big gallon of chocolate pudding. Um, he couldn't have it at home, so he brought it to us. So we had chocolate pudding every Thursday night. And I remember him telling me that he and his wife, when they'd go grocery shopping, they'd sit out in the parking lot of Food Lion, and they would pray before they went into the store, asking God's wisdom for making appropriate purchases. That's daily living in the Spirit. That's turning aspects of, and I have to admit, I don't know that I have often sat outside the grocery store and prayed for God's wisdom to buy the right things. But that's, that's what I see when, when I hear of a believer doing that. I see they have surrendered even the simple tasks in their daily lives to God. Next, we need to open the doors to the Holy Spirit and, and how we do that. And that's a tough part. I, well, it's tough for me. I don't know about you all. We do this by giving him access to every aspect of our lives. Sadly, in my life, and perhaps in yours, we've either failed to open certain doors or slammed them shut when he's asking to enter. So we compartmentalize our lives. We say, we're going we're to hold on to this piece. Maybe, maybe that piece is something that, that we need to let go of. Um, one of, the, one of the verses that, that just James had shared with me uh, was Revelation 3.20. It really painted a good picture for me as a, a new believer. And it says, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him and he with me. So it's a great picture. Here's a, so here's Jesus knocking on the door of our heart. And that's when we say yes and to come in. That's the moment of salvation. So it's Jesus knocking on the door. You've heard what I've said to you. I've died on the cross for your sins. I would like a relationship with you. And then through that process, through faith and the opening of the door, our lives and allowing him to come in, we see that moment of salvation and we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. So there's a moment of belief, moment of acceptance, and a moment of integration when we allow Jesus into our lives and he starts to take a tour of our rooms to see the different aspects of our lives. That first knock is an invitation for him to come in, and he comes into the first big room, but the reality is it's soon followed by many, many other knocks. As Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, asks to take control of other parts of our lives. One part might be our desires, what we want to do. Have you ever made plans for buying a house, buying a car, retirement, changing jobs on your own. Our desires, we tend to keep, oh, that, that's mine, Lord. But our fears, our secrets, our marriage, our character. Maybe one room has our past, and we want to keep it closed off. Perhaps the Holy Spirit will knock on the door of your thought life or unhealthy appetites. To each one of these, as we open the door to these things, allows the Holy Spirit to begin a work in our life, and that begins 
sanctification of us, drawing us closer and closer to God and making us more like him. Therefore, if we don't open the doors, we resist, we quench the Spirit, and we do not become more and more like Christ. We resist the sanctification, the changing of our lives to become more like Christ. So, you know, Jesus knocked for salvation, and, and I, like many of you, said, yes, come on in. And the Holy Spirit took up resonance. And he just keeps knocking on door after door after door, renovating our lives, creating us a new spirit, making us more like God. So, why do I bring all these things up? Well, when we say yes to the Holy Spirit, we need to understand the scope of what yes is. The scope is our lives. Hey, have you ever seen somebody and, and had an opportunity to spend time with somebody? And we'll, we'll call the term, we, we hear this a lot in our Christian circles, someone who is on fire for the Lord. And just everything they say, everything they do is just, they're drenched in the Lord. They're leading people to Christ. They're on mission. They're serving in their church. He said, that person's on fire. But why is that? Why him and not me? God desires all of us to be that way. Why him? I would submit because he opened these doors. He's not holding on to things, or she's not holding on to things. So when a knock on the door comes and a request to come into that part of our life, it's important we make way for him to do this remodeling, to, to sanctify us, to make us more like God. Next, we have to pursue the Holy Spirit. We can probably all agree, it's very easy to begin a relationship with someone, begin a friendship. But sometimes, not you, me, it's difficult to maintain that relationship. Why? Well, it takes time. It's hard. We're busy. And sometimes it's just easier not to. But people are messy, aren't they? They don't all think like we do. They don't all think like I do. Okay? So it's sometimes messy. Sometimes we get asked to do things and go, I don't really, you know, we've got a, a young lady, it's in one of our small groups that uh, we have at our home, and uh, my wife has been discipling her for some time, and uh, sweet young girl, lady, she, she just she graduated Liberty University two years ago, she's teaching elementary school now, and the last, about, the last, I don't know, six months ago, you get a phone call at 10.30 at night. You know when you get a phone call at 10.30 at night, it's never good. You got a phone call at 10.30 at night, Mr. Mark, yes, I need you to come help me. I'm stuck in the mud. I'm like, oh, man. So I got to get up and get changed and get Kim because I'm not going to go out to be with a young lady alone. So Kim gets dressed and we go out. And um, she did something really silly that she shouldn't have with her car and was trying to turn around somewhere where she shouldn't have been. And there was, there was you know, six lanes of pavement and a little area of mud. Guess where she decided to turn around? In the little area of mud. So the tow truck came and got her out. But you know, that is part of the relationship. That's, you know, we could have, we could have said, no, we can't get there. That had been wrong. That's part of building the relationship. So it's difficult. 
You know, sometimes I think we forget that the Holy Spirit is a person. Wow. You know, you think about Scripture. Scripture is clear in defining the Godhead as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So how do we, how do we manage that? How do we work through this thought of the Holy Spirit and a relationship with the Holy Spirit to be active working in us so that we can be successfully working for, working for God, expanding His kingdom? You know, when, when we look at Scripture, we can see there's an intimate oneness between the God, God the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's throughout Scripture. There's this intimate oneness in this relationship. And that's the intimate relationship that God desires to have with us. But it takes work. It's not something that we can just say, yes, Lord, come into this one big room, and we sit him in the, 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 the sitting room and say, stay out of the rest of these rooms. These are, these are mine, but you're here. We, we can do that. But what happens to our relationship with it? It's not the same, is it? It's, you, ever, you ever been in a situation in life where all of a sudden you, you just don't feel close to God? It's usually because it's something we've done. Because God doesn't change. God doesn't move. So we've done something. We've closed off some aspect of our life. There's a sin that's in our life. And that changes our relationship with God. He desires to have this unique intimate relationship with us. You know, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, are uniquely individual. They're also uniquely one. I can't explain it. It is. Pastor can explain it. Ask him. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Pastor. Throw him under the bus. But we do see Jesus cooperating with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus left the Helper and the Holy Spirit left that helper for us. We are indwelled with the Spirit. So they're intimately connected, and they're one. They're perfectly one, perfectly connected, perfectly at peace, and that perfect relationship is what God wants to have with me and you. He left us a helper. So what does it look like to intentionally and aggressively pursue a strong relationship with the Holy Spirit? I would say it requires the same thing it requires a relationship with each other requires meditation in the Word. That's listening. Requires interaction with Him through prayer. That's conversing. Affirmation of His presence in your life. That's validating. And cooperation. That's partnering. If you take any one of those out of our worldly relationships, listening, conversing, validating, or partnering, that relationship suffers. So wouldn't it make sense then if we don't have those four components in our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit that our relationship with God would suffer? See, that's what a real relationship is with a real person. That's the relationship that God wants with us. Then we need to release the Holy Spirit and His power in this world to make so that we can make an impact for God. And this is where missions comes in. Because what happens if we do this without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the power of God moving us out into his world. You know, we get excited when we see powerful things. Whether it's, some of you are in a NASCAR. I mean, think of the motors in these things. Thousand horsepower? That's power. Hurricanes? Powerful. When I was on a, on a submarine, and I spent 20 years in the Navy, one of the submarines I was on, we had the opportunity to launch an uh, advanced capability torpedo 
at an ex-U.S. warship. It was ex-U.S.S. Ware. So it was being sunk as part of this exercise. We launched it, and I have a picture at home that was taken from an aircraft about, probably about five seconds after impact. Now this is, this is a warship, steel, 420 feet long. The bow was pointed straight up, and the stern was like this. One torpedo broke that ship in half, and in less than two minutes, it was gone. That's power. What are some other powerful things? Grizzly bears, elephants, hurricanes, earthquakes, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is more powerful than all of those things. Nothing compares with the awesome, incredible power of the Holy Spirit. We need to know, know how to unleash that so that we can be more effective in missions. So that we can be out making an impact at Westlake in Virginia, in the United States, and internationally. Making an impact in the world for Christ. There's nothing like the fierce and awesome power of the Holy Spirit filling up a man blowing him up from the inside out, changing him forever, and exploding him out into the world. That's the picture of when I see somebody on fire with Christ. I've been with guys, they don't have a conversation where they're not sharing the gospel. Now some of us will say, well, I'm, not, I'm not gifted to share it. That's not my spiritual gift. I would say you're right. Because that's not a spiritual gift. That's a command to share the gospel. That's what we're to do. You can't do missions without sharing the gospel, by the way. Missions without the gospel is social work. Social work in of itself isn't bad, but that's not what we are called to do. We are called to missions. And that's what Jesus said would happen, this exploding out into the community for every person who makes a way, who makes a switch, opens the doors to the Holy Spirit. Paraphrasing Acts one, six, and seven, Jesus said, hey guys, I'm going. Then he said in Acts 1, 8, and you all are familiar with this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We've all heard that. Many of us have memorized it. The word power really means miraculous power. It's a miraculous power that we have. Something that um, we don't understand, and it's for marvelous works. So Acts 1-8 is our command to go into the world. He's saying to me and you, I will give you, you will receive miraculous power for marvelous works, so that each one of us, we have a unique and a specific zone of influence. My zone of influence is different than your zone of influence or your zone of influence. Each one of us, as we go to work, as we go to school, as we shop, as we go to the get gasoline, we have a zone of influence, people that we have the opportunity to influence. The question is, do we? Do we take advantage of that opportunity to influence someone for Christ? We might influence them for other things, but for Christ. Jesus said you and I would rise above. We'd be soaring. We would be winning kingdom territory. As we go out as part of Acts 1-8, we would be winning kingdom 
territory. So, how does being filled with the Holy Spirit affect missions? Consider this. Have you ever been on a mission trip or gone somewhere where you just didn't feel it? Where maybe you did all the planning or we did all the planning? And it kind of falls flat. How much, how much effective kingdom work is done by all of our mission trips? And I'm not talking about Westlake. I'm talking about our Western church. You know, I remember the first mission trip I went on when I came back. We as a mission team um, never shared the gospel. Yet we came back patting ourselves on the back, talking about what a great mission trip it was. We did social work. We did not accomplish kingdom work. Sometimes we do this and we grab the, the headlines for ourselves. We're about, when we're about his work and allow him to work in us and through us, then what is accomplished is far more effective. Great example, we had a disaster relief team in Georgia last year. And thank you, by the way, because your support of the cooperative program and missions offerings, that's why we can send disaster relief teams. So you're a part of that. We had a team that was out, and I get a phone call about 20 minutes after the two teams left, and one of them got a flat tire, said we're going to be, you know, we've got to go get our tire fixed. Okay. Fifteen minutes later, the other team called. They had a flat tire. I thought, hmm. Both teams got their tires fixed. One of the teams that had a flat tire on their way went off the road and got stuck in the mud. Now, this is not normal. So he said, we, we need to pray. Because Satan's at work, but our God is greater. Got a phone call. They got their back, they got to their site. The other team called up. They had a flat tire on their tractor. The other team in the afternoon called, and a branch fell on the bobcat and broke a hydraulic block. So you see, five, it's just one thing after another. This, these two teams were deep in prayer. They said we were praying. Five people came to faith in Christ that day through those two teams. If they had been working in their own strength, I would believe nobody would have come to faith in Christ. It's the power of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us. It's all part of this relationship, and without the relationship, we're less effective. So the source of the power is the Holy Spirit. It says, but you, me and you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. You know, I think sometimes when we look at Acts 1-8, we focus more on the geography of it, not submitting ourselves so that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit that allows us to go and share the gospel. We get things backwards sometimes. So we need to seek empowerment by God so that we're not working in our own strength. Several years ago, Carl Bates, actually it was more than several years ago, it was about 20 years ago, Carl Bates was president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he was speaking at the convention, and he made a statement that, that really riled a lot of people. He said if the Holy Spirit was to leave earth today, 90% of church work would continue. That should give us pause. If the Holy Spirit were to leave, 90% of church work would continue. That means 90% of the work is being done in whose power? Man's power, our power, not the power of the Holy Spirit. So are we willing to pay the price to see the Holy Spirit's power unleashed in each one of us? 
make the changes that it might entail. It could be relationship changes. It could be financial changes. Opening up some of the doors that we've held closed. You know, it starts with me and you. It starts with us saying yes to the Holy Spirit. So my prayer would be that we would reevaluate our relationship with the Holy Spirit and make willingly make changes in our lives. Say yes. You know, perhaps there's some of you who have not answered that first knock on the door, that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But you know, if you believe that Christ was, was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect and sinless life, that he died on the cross for my sins and your sins, was buried, three days later, rose again, walked the earth, and then was taken up and is alive today sitting at the right hand of God the Father. If you can make that statement that you believe that, you can come to faith in Christ today. And there's no better time than today. So let's pray, and then pastor's going to come, and we will have uh, Lord's Supper. Father, I do thank you and praise you for being at work in our lives. I thank you for the opportunity, uh, Lord, that you've given me to share your word. I pray, Lord, that your word um, would just impact each one of us. Lord, that, that we would say yes, and that, Lord, we would be effective in sharing your love with those around us, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, uh, those we come in contact every day. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.